0: As far north as Marauder's Arch, as far south as Booty Isle, as far east as Ruby's Fall, and as far west as Mermaid's Hideaway, Pirate Talk Radio proudly presents the most in-your-face Sea of Thieves podcast on the waves, and now broadcasting from his mother's basement, the biggest idiot to ever pick up a Cutlass, your host, Davram! Welcome back to Pirate Talk Radio. This is episode 87. I am Davram, and thank you very much for listening and or watching. If you're over on the YouTube, and we're closing in on that critical 100 subscribers on the YouTube, and even if you're listening to it, um, over on, uh, any of your podcasting apps, please do go over and check out pirate talk radio on YouTube, drop a subscribe. That way we can get the URL, the most important thing, the URL. So people can go youtube.com slash pirate talk radio. So, uh, check that out, please. If you haven't done so already, leave me a comment, drop me a like on some videos, you know, just get, get the podcast out there and noticed. I know folks are sharing the podcast itself with their friends and their other Sea of Thieves community folks out there um, for the podcasting stuff, but it's also on YouTube, so please do check that out. You can also check out my uh, playing of Sea of Thieves and other games over on twitch.tv slash Davram. Um, and we've got a lot of Sea of Thieves news to to talk about. This may be a long and chock full um, episode, as we've had a lot of things since our last episode. We got a lot of news coming out um, since it's that you know spoopy time of year. We got the the spoopy events coming up. Uh, we got some uh, interesting information about the uh, the next adventure. Um, some Emporium updates and just A lot of information there we had Episode 9 of the Official Sea of Thieves podcast out So we're going to dive into that because That was I, I will say that I think episode 9 of the official Sea of Thieves Podcast is the best episode that they've done um, There was a lot of Candid information great Questions from the community that got Answered and quite frankly um, The 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 shroud got Pulled off of, of a lot of Things um, at Sea of Thieves that I've been talking about that i've been criticizing them for um that i've given them props for um over the past couple months and years and we got uh, a little bit uh of uh of an approach that was a little bit different uh, you know the veil was pulled back uh and we got some some i think well-needed answers and information about the approach that they're taking uh with the game that we love uh and then of course we got to talk about herald of flame uh, Herald of Flame is uh, now in its second week. It's almost done. If you haven't got out there and, and done it, please do. Uh, they they did a patch recently to fix the rewards, which was a major issue with it. So we're going to talk about my experience with Herald of Flame, my thoughts on it. And I haven't done this before with the other adventures, but I think it's something that uh, uh, that I'm going to start doing going forward. And that is actually I created a rubric. Yes, I did a rubric to score To give every adventure the same rubric and give it a score, um, and then we can start looking at where these adventures fall overall. To give it an actual score, where did it succeed, where did it fall short? Um, Personally, I think this was probably the best adventure they did, but when you hear the score, it might not sound like it, but... This is the first time we're doing this So we'll see how things do uh, moving forward But I think Herald of Flame is probably the best adventure they've done so far uh, But it, it wasn't perfect There were definitely some opportunities there As Rare continues to learn and uh, and refine their adventure process So we've got a lot of, to get into But first, as always, I want to thank the patrons These folks, month after month, are supporting this show and my content financially uh, And they get some rewards, which we'll talk about for a minute But let's go through it. We have a brand new patron for this week, Jack Bull and others. Uh Jack Bull has been a listener for a long time, has sent me multiple messages. Uh we've had a lot of conversations. Um so Jack, thank you very much for joining the Patreon, uh the Patreon, the pa- becoming a patron whatever the words you want to use. Thank you Jack uh for joining that elite club um at our top tier. So you got some swag coming to you my friend um in the next couple months. I um, also wanted to uh, send a special thank out to uh, Skamelt666, Lane, and Regis Stella. Thank you all for continuing to support my content financially, going above and beyond. I appreciate everyone who listens. Um, obviously, uh, with the podcasting apps, there's some some ad breaks that you sometimes get for those folks on YouTube, the ads there. Thank you very much, everyone um, who who watches and listens, but, you know, the patrons take it to the next level because they're actually putting money behind it. And I appreciate that very, very much. And if you would like to financially contribute to, uh, the show, and get some pretty cool rewards and swag. Uh, you can go over to patreon.com slash davrom TV. There's a variety of different tiers starting at one dollar. The biggest thing that you get is ad-free podcast RSS feed. Uh, so long as you know you're not a Spotify user because they don't support that yet. But um, if if you get uh, if you get even at the number one dollar a month tier, you get ad-free, you get the podcast At least a day. Hopefully, we'll get back to up to three days early from everyone else. You don't have ads, you got your private feed. um, And going up from there, you can get t shirts. You can get cards from me as far as holiday cards and stuff like that. Uh, You get a Discord role and private channels on the Discord to talk amongst yourselves. Uh, There's just a lot of cool swag and perks uh, that are in there. And I'm I'm going to be talking to the patrons to see if there's anything else that I can um, uh, give out uh, to help folks uh, really enjoy and understand that I super, super, super appreciate their ongoing support. So thank you again uh, to all the patrons. Much appreciated. All right, so let's get into the news first. Let's start off with the news. Uh, so for those of you who who want to know what is going on in the Sea of Thieves world, uh, first off, uh, we have some dates to remember here. October 28th through the 31st that is spoopy weekend around the world this is going to be the tricksters and treaters event in sea of thieves um we haven't to my knowledge had a trick-or-treat event in sea of thieves before um we usually have the festival of the damned um during this time the festival um that that brought us the 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 fort of the damned and things like that but I don't think we've ever had a trick-or-treat event. Um, I could be wrong, my memory sucks. So, um, yep. But you'll be able to get some rewards um, in this uh, in this uh, event by taking part in it. There will be a unique title and a unique hat that you can get. And also the Merchant Alliance will have trick-or-treat, spoopy, Halloween-y firework crates that you can get and fire off during your adventures. During that same time, but a little bit longer, October 28th through November 1st. So again, spoopy weekend, Halloweeny weekend. Uh, there's going to be emporium sales, and some of the old Halloween con uh, the content ship sets, costumes, things like that will be coming to the uh, emporium, returning to the emporium, and there will be sales going on. So if there's things that you missed in the past, if there are things that uh, you wanted, um, from costumes to weapon sets this is the time to get your ancient coins and get these particular items again it's an emporium sale 28th through november 1st and some of the old halloween cosmetics are coming back so make sure you check that out if there's items you missed in the past they might be there october 20th Um, We're going to see a new Emporium um, set of items. There's a weapon set, a ship set, which looks pretty sick. So by the time this episode comes out, the new Emporium will be out as we will be seeing um, uh, an update uh, to the game. Um, There will be a free emote that you can claim in the Emporium during this time, and that is the Pumpkin Juggle emote. So make sure you go to the Emporium. If you're not going to spend ancient coins, at least get your freebie and get your Pumpkin Juggle emote. I know a lot of folks are also and have been wanting for a long time a skeleton curse. Well, guess what? They might not have added it to the curses. It might not be something you can unlock in game. But by God, if you want to spend some money and support rare and throw some ancient coins at them, you can get the skeleton costume, which basically turns your pirate into a full blown skeleton with the ribs open and everything. So uh really cool looking costume. Um, I'm going to call it the skeleton curse costume. I know that's not what it's called. I think it's the spinal tap costume kind of goes with the spinal tap figurine, um, that captain Logan loves all so much that is in the emporium now. So if you wanted a skeletal curse, guess what? Here's your opportunity to make your pirate look like a skeleton, uh, um, like a skeleton in the game. I think it's got a kilt on and red glowing eyes and has an emote that uh, that laughs. So check that out um, if you are loving the skeletons and have wanted a skeleton curse. I know it costs ancient coins, but it looks pretty sick. It looks pretty sick. Next adventure. So Herald of Flame isn't even done yet, and we already know the next adventure. And we know when it's coming out and you're not going to have to wait the normal time for the next adventure. Um, We'll talk about a little bit of that in the podcast on why this is happening. Um, A lot of things um, got delayed because of season seven. Um, And because of that, some of the adventure scheduling got a little off. And so they're trying to make up a little bit of time here and get back on their um, rotation, both with updates and with their adventure to get back, you know, where they want to be in the overall, um, calendar of, of sea of thieves each year return of the damned return of the damned is the next adventure. It is the finale of this set. So this is a, our third finale. Um, and it will be on November 3rd. That is when the next adventure return of the damned hits sea of thieves. And here is the kicker. Here is the awesome news. Here is what we've been waiting for on the Sea of Thieves podcast and on On the Sea of Thieves news video, this will be another choice adventure. So with the update on the 20th, which brought us the new Emporium items, the world is changing. The world is starting to show the changes from the Battle of Golden Sands that we had in that particular adventure. The world is changing. So you're going to notice things happening on Golden Sands. You're going to notice things happening on Reapers, uh, Reaper um, Island, Reaper Outpost. Um, You're going to be noticing changes in the world. And our next choice is now coming up. And Mike Chapman says towards return of the damned in this choice, Mike Chapman says this choice will be a gut wrenching choice for players as it deals with major and beloved characters. So, we don't know what that choice is going to be. Obviously, obviously we won't know that if you're an insider, you probably know. Um, but if you're not, and you're like me and play things as they come out, um, it's going to be a choice that deals with major characters based on Herald of Flame. I would assume it has to do with Flameheart, Flameheart Jr., probably Stitcher Jim. It might Deal with Wanda as she's still lurking out there with the dark brethren and, and, you know, we haven't dealt with them completely yet. Um, I, I feel like they're going to come back after Flameheart is over with. Um, so it might have Wanda. I think it might deal with the pirate Lord. Bell and yes, even Pandragon. Um, We'll talk about Herald of Flame uh, a little bit later after we go through the official Sea of Thieves podcast, Uh, but Pandragon played a major role in Herald of Flame, and I have a feeling based on how that ended and how this story with Flameheart is progressing that there's going to be several characters that are going to be affected by our decision in this to the point that, they might be killed off. They might be um, killed off or they might disappear for a while based on what happens. Um, in, uh, in our choice. Um, but the fact that Mike Chapman said that this is going to be a gut-wrenching, uh, choice for players, um, and it's going to determine potentially the fate of several or a couple major characters. So definitely getting the hype train, getting that sea of thieves going as Mike Chapman always does, but I'm looking forward to checking out, uh, when the trailer comes out, um, before the launch on November 3rd, I'm anxious to see, um, what we're going to be doing how this storyline for flame heart is going to be playing out and how this finale of our third, uh, trifecta series, um, ends, right? It is, it is November, which is technically the end of the year, getting to the end of the year. We're not going to have time for another trifecta, another trilogy of adventures, uh, before the end of the year. I don't believe, I don't believe the calendar lines up for that. Um, so this could very well be the end of the Flameheart storyline. Um, we haven't heard an update, as I've said, about the change of that. Uh, uh, Mike said that Flameheart's story should be wrapped up by the end of 2023. So theoretically, this could be the end of that storyline. For many players out there, that is a welcomed sign. The Flameheart storyline has been going on for years, um, as it started with the, um, uh, with Seabound Soul, um, obviously Flameheart um, was part of the uh, the book um, that came out. We just had a novel come out with Heart of Fire, which I haven't read it yet, but uh, I hear goes into a lot of detail about Flameheart and and and, um, and and gives you a lot more about Flameheart. But Flameheart is a beloved character from many. He is a stale character, and and for many, he's also a bad villain. Um, I can see both sides of it. I think the flame heart villain could have been done better. Um, I think he has been around too long, but then again, prior to these adventures, we haven't seen the storyline being pushed forward at such a rapid pace. We're seeing the storyline pushing forward every couple months, uh, and sometimes every couple weeks. Um, we haven't seen that before, before we had to wait for tall tales. Um, so flame heart has been stale for quite some time. He has been the main villain, Um, since I don't know what the beginning of the game, not really, but he's been the main driving force, the skeleton Lords and all that fun stuff. There's always been a, a puppet master behind them. And we found out with Seabound Soul, it is Captain Flameheart. Um, and we, we found out a lot of of that kind of information. So it's time for us to say goodbye, I think, to Flameheart. He is he has served his purpose. I think as a villain, um, I think Sea of Thieves could have been done better. But as the first main villain of the game, um, of course you have the gold hoarder. Okay, I know some people are gonna say the gold hoarder was the first main villain, and you would be correct. The the gold hoarder was the first main villain. Um, but as far as as tall tales are concerned, we had this series of nine tall tales, getting to the shores of gold, the gold hoarder really just had one opportunity to be the villain with the original tall tales, and that was the shores of gold. Flameheart has had multiple opportunities, from seabound soul to heart of fire to him being a shit talking head in the sky to now he's part of these adventures and the Phantom Fleet. He has had more development than the gold hoarder did, but. With that being said, he's a better villain than the Gold Hoarder as far as how the game is, is portraying him and building his story, but still in terms of a villain, in my opinion, he's still a, a, a weak storied villain. I would like them to see the next villain. Maybe it's the Dark Brethren. Maybe it's Wanda. Maybe it's Duke. Who knows? But I would like to see them do a little bit more with that, with that villain. Um, you know, don't make us always win. Sometimes we've got to lose, right? And and just losing by releasing Flameheart spirit, that didn't feel like a loss, to be completely honest. Like make us feel like we lose to this villain. You know, build that character. Um, but yeah, a lot of people think Flameheart is stale and needs to go away. So we'll see at this finale. We'll see if this is the end of Flameheart. If it's part of that choice, who knows? Um, but uh, again, hearing gut wrenching choice for the community—that is—that is intriguing to me. That is very intriguing. Again, Sea of Thieves putting the 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 future. Uh, of the of the story of this game in our hands, in our hands. So I hope they do it well. I hope it's a grand finale. And if this is the end of Flameheart, which I anticipate um, it will be, I hope it is a glorious end. I hope it is a glorious end. So let's dive into the official Sea of Thieves uh, podcast. And like I said, I feel like um, the official Sea of Thieves podcast episode nine is the best podcast episode they have done um, that I have seen. And I think I even went back and watched all the older ones. I know I've definitely watched them since they've started this new, more consistent series. But I think this is the best one. We got a lot of insight We had the veil pulled back on the game and why they made some of the decisions. And some of the things that I've been criticizing them for, we got some answers for it. And I appreciate that. And we also got this theme. There was a there was a theme that started in the beginning kind of as a joke and continued throughout because Joe Neat likes this kind of stuff, uh, re, retelling the theme in different joking manners, but uh, but then went into a serious topic about it and explained why this is important. And I want to talk about that theme first, because everything revolving around this podcast dealt with that theme, um, and, and why they've made the choices that they have. And it ties back to a conversation I've had recently on stream. And that is the idea of, of value, um, and the idea of money in business, right? Sea of thieves is a business and though they're not hurting because they're on game pass, they're one of Microsoft's flagship, uh, IPs, you know, they're not hurting for money but when you're talking about a game that's that's going to be turning five years old, you always have to be thinking how do we get more players? how do we make more money? there's always new games coming out and with all the technology new games mean new um, graphics which means new uh, mechanics which means a whole bunch of new variables in the gaming world and you have to stay competitive. And though Sea of Thieves is an amazing game and probably one of the best games that I've ever played, I obviously love it, I do a weekly show on it, but they always have to think about ways to stay competitive and keep players and refreshing that player base and trying to make that player base, though it's usually relatively stagnant, I would think after five years, trying to get those little upticks of players. And I mentioned it comes down to money. That is a big thing. It is a business. And though a lot of people don't think about that as players and a lot of players don't want to even talk about it because they don't care about the money a studio makes, right? They don't care. They care about how good the game is and the replayability and and how engaging it is and how many hours they're putting into it. Well, your time is money. At the end of the day, your time is money. Playing video games, you could be taking on another job. You could be working. You can be making money. Time is money, period, end of story. You know, just because you're out mowing your grass because your grass needs mowed, time is money. You could pay someone to mow your grass, losing money, but maybe in paying someone to mow your grass like I do, I can use that time, that 30 minutes, to make more money than I paid the person. Playing video games. Let's say you play video games 10, 15 hours a week. You could get a part-time job and do 10, 15 hours. You could do a hobby, streaming, YouTube, podcasting, and make money with that time. Time is money, period, end of story. You may not like that, and that's absolutely fine that you don't like it, but at the end of the day, time is money. So you're spending time, and I'm looking at my Steam thing right now, just on Steam, right? This doesn't include the, I think, 1,500 hours that I played on the Xbox version before Steam came out. Time played, 1,089.7 hours. So I am closing in on 3,000 hours in this game. That's a lot of time. And knowing how much money that my skill set is worth per hour, that's a shit ton of money, right? Now, I'm not financially contributing that type of money to Sea of Thieves, but that is the type of money that I am losing by spending that time playing a video game. It's just the meat and potatoes of it. It's the it's the titch to nut of it, if you will. It doesn't matter. You might not like to think of your time that way. You might not like to think of your gaming time that way. But at the end of the day, that's what it amounts to. You could be using that time to make money. You're choosing not to. Therefore, you're not making that money and you're spending it playing a video game. Sea of Thieves has to continually get players to come back, has to continually to try to grow their player base because they need to make money. And the theme that was going through the entire thing is money, time, and heart. Those three things, they have to have the money to do this. They have to have the time to do this. And they have to have the heart to do this and referring to the development of Sea of Thieves. So going back to a conversation on stream that I had, Sea of Thieves has to look at the value of things that they put out, not only the free things, but the paid things. I have, I will never, even though I may not like the cosmetics or the emotes in the Emporium, The creative team that's making those, the art team, the design team making those do a fantastic job to sell folks emporium items. right? From the ship sets of different colors and styles, to the weapon sets of different colors and styles, to the costumes, to the crew costumes, to emotes, to pets, to pet uniforms, to now um, captaincy ship um, um, placards. They do a great job in designing those, and they're making money through that, right? They obviously get a kickback from Microsoft and the Game Pass and all that stuff. But the Emporium is sugar on top. Where I think they suffer and where I think they could do better is the Battle Pass. And this was something that was specifically called out on stream when I was playing Destiny 2 and comparing Battle Passes like Halo, Destiny 2, um, Fortnite. Even though I don't play Fortnite, I do know their battle pass. Um, things like Paladins, Apex Legends, all these games that have uh battle passes out there, they have more value in the paid for battle pass than Sea of Thieves does. Now, that's not saying Sea of Thieves battle pass isn't a bad value, but if you add, if you pay the ten dollars for the plunder pass, which I always do if I hit. A hundred by the end of the season, I will buy the battle pass. But if you look at what you get on the free line, you get a lot more. Sea of Thieves values the free play over the paid for play. And for a lot of players and for a lot of people, that's a good thing, right? They're valuing my time by giving me more stuff just for playing. I don't have to give them any money and they're valuing my time, which we talked about. Time is money. By giving me stuff just for playing. That is a great business model as far as um, and, and exciting your, your customers, specifically those who might not have that, that income that they can just throw at a game. But what it's not doing is bringing new money in. They need to increase the value of the paid for pass so more people are likely to purchase it. Now, I'm not saying $10 is a lot. It is a lot for some people. Some people don't have the expendable income to pay $10 to a video game every three to four months. They don't have that. And if they do have $10 to buy a battle pass, they're going to look across all their games and say, which of these games do I play the most? And which of these games have the items that I want for my time spent and my money spent? And I don't think Sea of Thieves is competitive on a Battle Pass level. You get way more cooler stuff on the paid-for pass from Destiny, Apex, Fortnite. All of those games have a much more value Battle Pass when you pay the $10. So when Joe Neat says they have to have the money they have to have the time and they have to have the heart to do it. Rare has the heart. Okay, Heart is not in question when it comes to Rare. These folks love Sea of Thieves. They love the community. It came out so many times in the podcast. All of them talked about how awesome the community has, How awesome Sea of Thieves Fest was. How excited they are for next year's Sea of Thieves Fest. How cool Gamescom was. How cool EGX was. How many people talked to them. All the great questions. They have the heart they believe in their game they believe in their their community they want to make this game the best game possible for the players and the community in order to do that though you have to have the development time the hours which means people right labor and the more labor you have the more hours you have which means the more money you have to have to support it so though people may not want to talk about the nitty gritty business of it and they don't want to talk about the money of it, it is a very critical thing. And Joe said that they're not hurting for money, but more money is not a bad thing when it comes to, to that, right? So if they have more money, they could hire more developers, which means more developers to fix the issues that players want fixed. And to clean up their updates so they don't have bugs and issues like that, which means a higher quality game and a higher quality amount of updates, which means returning players, which means new players, which means new money being put in. It's a circle. It's a circle. Money equals developers. Developers equal more quality uh, game development, which means more players, which means more money. It's a circle, right? It is a circle. And though we I will never question Sea of Thieves' heart behind an update, regardless if I like the update or not, regardless of that, they have the heart. They've got that drive behind them with the community, with the story they're telling, etc. But in order to make it clean, in order to get things cleaned up, they gotta have people. To do that, in order to do that, you have to have money. In order to generate money, you need more players. In order to generate that money from players, you have to give them value with what you're selling. Not all players are going to like a banana boat set. Not all players are going to want a fox. Not all players are going to want a Jack Sparrow costume. But if you entice them into a battle pass, a purchase battle pass... Maybe, on top of the cosmetics you get, you give them ancient coins equal to $10. Well, then we're losing money. Eh, Giving people ancient coins is just giving people ancient coins. $10 is what, a weapon set nowadays? Yes, you are giving people more for their money. But in doing that, you're generating that revenue and... You're making people more interested in buying that battle pass because right now, like I said, the only reason I buy the battle pass is one. I love rare and I want to support them financially, but, but I don't think the purchase battle pass is worth $10. Now, I could break it down and say, well, a ship set costs this much on average, and you get a full ship set, and that equals $10. So technically, a cosmetic that I'm getting from the Plunder Pass equals $10 that I spent. All right, I get that. But then if I take that same $10 and go to Destiny and I start adding that one up, I'm getting more than $10. If I go to Fortnite, I'm getting more than $10. If I go to Apex, I'm getting more than $10, right? And the reason for that is it's, it's causing that reoccurring revenue. It's causing players to see the value in the battle pass. It's therefore having the players log in and play. All these battle passes also have a post 100 reoccurring thing that once you hit 100, you can keep going. And get more rewards. It might be gold or, or currency. Whatever it may be. Players can keep going. Which then invites players to come back. Which means servers are going to be more populated throughout the season. Instead of just that first week. Which means players are going to see Th- Sea of Thieves. Instead of spiking at the stop of the season. And then dropping off until the adventure. And this roller coaster. They're going to see a more stagnant line. And a, maybe even a stagnant line that's starting to go up slightly of an increased player base or a more consistent player base. These are all good things for business, which does in turn turn around revenue from the Emporium and stuff like that. And money hires devs, which gives them more labor hours to fix stuff and develop stuff and allows them to get the things that are at their heart to get out there. That's what I took from Joe's theme that he he explained a little bit and the reoccurring theme that came back around. So I know folks out there don't like the business talk all the time, but that's the, that's the nuts and bolts of it. Right. That's where it comes down to getting that player base to stay consistent and on an uptick so that they can have reoccurring revenue and they can continue to make the game better and more solid for us going forward. So moving away from the business talk, and by the way, I'm a businessman, so I I love I love talking business. I'll talk business all day, but let's start to dive into some of the things that we learned um, from this and why I said this is the best podcast that they've done. Um, and they pulled back the veil. Let's start with captaincy. You know, everyone here knows who's been listening to my show for a while. My feelings on captaincy. I think it's one of the worst updates that they've had, though. It's been one of the most anticipated updates. It is full of issues. Um, and it's full of just open. It's just full of empty dreams and broken promises. And we learned a little bit more about this. Um, we learned from Mike Chapman that captaincy is not finished. Um, We learned from Mike Chapman that this is not the captaincy that they wanted to put out, but they already had delayed it. They had already hyped it up um, at E3 Um, and they had to make a decision. Either push it off and keep delaying it or chop it and put out at least a complete feature set that gets it started and they elected to chop it and put out a feature set that they were happy with. Were they the most happy? Would they have liked to got everything in there and everything done and, and had a captaincy that everyone's happy with? Absolutely. But it just wasn't in the cards without delaying it further. And I was very appreciative that Mike went into that sort of detail and, and the head of production went into that sort of detail. And they talked very candidly that captaincy is not, was not released the completed version that they wanted. They had to make a decision um, to get it out to us. And I know a lot of people are having fun with captaincy. I know a lot of people are enjoying captaincy, but I know there's a lot of veteran players that feel cheated with captaincy and they address that as well. They address the fact that that players are disappointed, especially veteran players are disappointed that Captain C was supposed to be a representation of their character and the character's journey. But it's only a representation of the character's journey from season seven on. And Mike said he understands the disappointment. He understands why fans and long term players are grumpy about that. But it was a decision they had to make because they didn't have the tools um, inside the game to capture that data. Now, part part of that is true. There are definitely tools that they did not have that can capture that data all the way back to the beginning of time almost five years ago. But it's also part bullshit. It's also part bullshit because they do have the accommodation system and the accommodation system gives them at least a starting point for players who have been playing for a while. How many chests have been sold? How many miles sailed on a voyage? How many voyages completed? How much, uh, how many skeletal ships have been destroyed? How many skeletal Lords have been destroyed? They can at least get a baseline. Is it a complete number? Is it complete picture? Absolutely not. But it's at at least something that they could give veteran players to retroactively say, I understand that this isn't your complete work, but it is the data that we have. It is the data that we have. And again, some folks might out there might be saying, but accommodations aren't milestones. You're absolutely right. They aren't, but I can sit here and look at my steam achievements. I can look at my, my achievements from, um, from Xbox. And I can look here and say, um, let me, let me just scroll down here, um, and find one that, uh, that has, that has one of these, um, Um, let's see here. Oh, oh, um, those are terms of resurrection. Oh, look, complete the heart of fire. That's a tall tale. Give me a tall tale credit. I've got that done. Um, let's see here. Complete all accommodations for Heart of Fire. Well, that means I had to do it three times. So give me three Tall Tale credits um, for that one. Um, let's see here. There's just a variety of them. Be promoted to level 75 on Order of Souls, Merchant Alliance. Uh, be promoted to 29 in, in Athena's Fortune. These are all things... Um, that they could, that they could be marking down, uh, gold hoarder increased to rank five. Again, I don't know if these are milestones that are in there. Um, but defeat red Ruth five times. There's five, um, five Ashen Lords killed captain Grimm five times. There's five Ashen Lords killed. scourge of the dam. Defeat 500 ghost ships Well, there's 500 ghost ships for the milestone. The data is there. The data is there. They just have to apply it to the milestone system. So it is partly true that they didn't have the proper tools and the backend services that needed to be in there in order to make these milestones be a complete history. And we will never get a complete history of our pirate, but it could be better than what it is. We were cheated as veteran players. And Mike admitted that he understands why players feel a little cheated on that. The question from the community was asked um will we ever see that kind of stuff retroactively and like I said, Mark Chapman acknowledges that due to the stats from the build of Captaincy, old accommodations aren't reflected in Captaincy, which again is true and partially bullshit, except the Shrouded Ghost is there, which means they can do it. It is there. They just have to mark it off. Why do people with the Shrouded Ghost prior to Captaincy have the Shrouded Ghost for Captaincy? That That's something that carried over. Why can't everything else carry over? And he says it would be nice, but he has no immediate plans to retroactively add old stats to the milestones. I'm glad he was candid. I'm glad he was honest. I think it was the wrong answer, but it comes back to time, money, and heart. Would they like to do it? Yes, they would. Do they have the time to do that? Plus all the other features they're trying to roll out on their timeline? No, they do not. Why? Because they don't have the money to hire new devs in order to work on that money, time, and heart. I still think, again, I will say Captain C is the worst update that they've put out in this new seasonal update system because it is not complete. And because they basically turn their back on veteran players and said, hey, everyone start fresh with these milestones. It's, it's a history of your character, but only from season seven on, which means fresh characters, fresh players. So I'm glad he was honest. But there was also some PR bullshit in that because again, they, they carried over the shrouded ghost so they can do it. They just only chose to do it with that one particular rare commendation. Mike also said in regards to captaincy that he was happy with where captaincy is, but it is a building block. It is a foundation for things for them to build on. And we will see a expansion of the milestones in season eight. So we have the foundation of Captain captaincy, but there's so much more still to come. And there was a big sea of teas for season eight. Back uh, almost a year ago, we looked at the roadmap for this year for Sea of Thieves. We looked at it. We talked about it. And season eight is going to be a very controversial season. There are going to be players who are extremely excited about this season, and there are going to be players who are going to be extremely pissed off at this season, and then everyone in between. And I say it that way because I've talked about the player base. You have people on the extreme PvP side, you have players on the extreme PvE side, and then you have the majority of players in between. Season eight is a PVP season. Mike Chapman said it. And I said at the very beginning when I saw season eight on the roadmap and it was focused around PVP, that was my hope of when hit registration will be fixed. I know because I have insider friends who talk, I won't mention their names because, you know, NDA that a new hit registration system is on insiders and has been being tested for a while now. Could we see that launch? Could we see hit scan launched in season eight? Don't know. But Mike said that season eight is our PVP season and we're going to see a new way to play the game. As I said, the update on the 20th um, is going to change the world based on, what happened at the events at golden sands. And I have a feeling based on what we know, um, I don't think we're going to hit the golden age of piracy, but I have a feeling that the world, part of the changes we're going to see on the 20th is going to be that we're going to start seeing the building of a pirate city, most likely at new golden sands. And we're going to start getting to the golden age of piracy. There are going to be new PVP milestones. A lot of players, including myself, questioned why there was no PVP milestones, and Mike Chapman answered us. He said it right there in his C of Ts. Captain C was a foundation to build on, and the reason we didn't include PVP milestones in Season 7 is why? Because in Season 8, the PVP season, we are going to see the PVP milestones be introduced to the game again it's not going to capture everything in the past but again commendations really didn't capture pvp as it is anyways so this is going to be the first time aside from the arena again the arena had those stats those commendations that depending on how they portray them um in in this captaincy milestone the people who were in the arena those should be rolled over but again the arena commendations most of them stated in the arena this new way to play this pvp season is all going to be in adventure i don't know how they're going to do it i don't even have the slightest clue how that's going to look i have no idea it's going to be a new way to play that's all pvp focused and a pvp season it's all an adventure and what mike chapman said was It's all about PVP, but the focus will be to maintain the Sea of Thieves immersion. So it's going to be focused around PVP while still maintaining that feeling of a Sea of Thieves immersion inside adventure. So I'm super excited about this. One, I love PVP. I know several of the people I play with and friends that I have do not like PVP. So it's going to be very interesting to see how the vocal PVE players respond to this season. How are, um, how are the Alliance servers, which I know rare does not like, um, how are they going to respond with a PVP season focus? Should be interesting to see. I'm excited for it, though. I'm ready to. I'm ready to lock and load and kill some pirates. I'm just saying. <clears throat> so that Sea of Thieves was was big. I think this is probably one of the biggest Sea of uh, Teases that Mike Chapman has ever done. And knowing that this is going to be all focused around PvP, we already know it now. It's set up to be that way. Prepare yourselves now. Prepare yourselves now. Cannons are going to be firing. Cutlasses are going to be swinging. M1 spam is going to be happening. Blunder bombs are going to be flying. Just get ready to double gun or however you like to fight. Because you're going to have to fight other pirates. Just end in the story. You're going to have to fight other pirates. And all those milestone grinders out there, guess what? Now you're going to have a whole series of milestones that you're going to have to grind through by killing other players. PVE VP game. Get used to it. There are two Ps in that that title and one E, okay? Player versus environment, player versus player. Get used to both. Embrace both. Find enjoyment in both. It is just a video game. If you sink and you lose your loot, whatever, okay? The biggest part of Sea of Thieves, though I know losing your loot and sinking to other players sucks, the biggest part of Sea of Thieves is the journey and the story you have that you get and tell along the way. It's not about the gold. It's about the adventure. If you haven't if you haven't done shores of gold yet and you don't know what that quote's from, that's the core of Sea of Thieves. It's not about the gold. It's about the adventure. The mystery. Now I talked about the mystery, um, as it was going on. And I told you I was very candid about it. I had no interest really in the figuring out of the mystery. That's not my thing. Um, I love, I leave that out to everyone else. I loved the ending. I, t- I, I made sure that I did the things that were in the game to, to experience them. But overall, I didn't like the mystery. I know the fans criticized the mystery for being long, stagnant, dead at times. Um, the social media, uh, push was annoying, but I understand it on a business level, but that was their first attempt. Um, and Again, they were very candid and open about it. They said there were a lot of mistakes that were made that they're going to learn from. And the biggest issue and the biggest mistake they said was, was made was the first mystery drug out too long. And there was not a good balance between in game and out of game engagement. I called it. I said it. I said that was the issue validation. Mike Chapman validates me right there. He didn't say my name and that's fine, but there was my validation. There was an imbalance between out of game and in game and it drug on way too long. It stagnated and even felt like it died at some point. So I have a feeling when we get to our next mystery, they're going to make some significant changes on how the mystery is played out, how fast it plays out. The balance between in-game and out-of-game, they're going to really, really, really work on that. So, so far, everything that we've kind of went over uh, with the podcast, uh, like I said, I, I thought it was a podcast that that really peeled back that veil and really showed me, and and I heard a lot of things that... I had talked about and and things like that for the longest time. Rare has been a very secretive company. All companies are secretive to a certain point, but when it comes to, to things that really matter to us, the players, you know, why this, why that, why hasn't this been fixed? Why did you do it that way? They're very, very secretive. And yes, I know Blizzard and Bungie and all of those, those teams aren't, they don't peel back the curtain completely, But, but I've always felt, and I've been in, you know, I've played games since I was 13 years old. I've gotten more into patch reviews and stuff like that as I've gotten older, but for rare, I've always felt like there was some sort of pun intended shroud that, that kind of kept the players outside of the world of what is going on when it comes to, to development and some of the choices they make. And it was just kind of like, okay, players, we're doing it this way just accept it. Um, so I really appreciated Joe and, and Mike and, and the, the, I know John was there and I can't remember the, the other guy's name did a really just great job. And I know them, the podcast was mostly focused on, on Mike talk. Most of the time, Joe talked a little bit, but I, I really liked them just letting it all out. And again, They still kept some shroud. They still kept some veil, obviously, and that's important as a business. You can't just let all the trade secrets out. You can't just let all the information out. But I really enjoyed this, and I I really thought we got a good um, look inside the brains and the inner workings of what's going on at Rare, why they've made some of the decisions, the mistakes that they admit that they have that, by the way, I called out. Um, I won't get credit for that because, you know, I talk too negatively. I'm going I'm going to say that, that, you know what it is. I call it how it is. I call it how it is. But I really enjoyed that. So, as I said at the beginning, this this episode is chock full and we're not done yet. Um, I haven't even talked about Harold of Flame yet, which we're going to talk about now. And it, we're going to link it back to the podcast because uh, again, Mike had some things to say uh, about Harold of Flame. Um, but first, let me talk about my experience with Harold of flame. And then I'm going to give you my, my rubric. Actually, let's do this. Let's do the rubric first. Let's do my scoring rubric first on how I'm going to be rating these particular adventures moving forward. So they're all on equal, equal playing field. I'm going to explain each part of the rubric, and then we'll talk about the adventure and my scoring. Um, If there is something on this rubric that you think needs changed or needs more clarification, or you think we should add another criteria, you know, hit me up on Twitter, join the discord, um, shoot me an email. All that information is inside the show notes. So check them out under the video. If you're on YouTube, if you're on a podcasting app, all the information's in the show notes. So check that stuff out. If you would like to add something else uh, to the, to the rubric. So The first score, and all these will be out of five. So each one will be out of five, and then the total score is 25 currently. Uh, So out of 25, what did the adventure rate? So the first criteria is lore and driving story. So you remember I talked in the last adventure that I didn't feel like the story had a driving force. It felt like it was just kind of uh, just kind of meandering along and there was not this driving force behind it. Even from the trailer, we didn't get a whole lot of information. We, we, it, it just, it didn't feel like it had a driving energy. It didn't have that, that person or that force pushing you forward, though. The lore was good. It didn't have that driving force in herald of flame in herald of flame much better Much, much, much better. The trailer got you excited. The trailer was different. It was the Stitcher Jim sing-along, which, again, did not have on my bingo card for this year. Um, It took you to places that you knew and that you recognized, and it showed you what was transpiring. Stitcher Jim, Flameheart Casket, Skull was there, Damaged Skull, Chalice of Resurrection. It had that opening that got you excited and it told you what was going to happen. Not necessarily the ending of it, but it told you this is what you should expect. You should expect Stitcher Jim, you should expect something to do with Flame Heart and this chalice which, if you've played the Tall Tales, you know it was some sort of relic, most likely chalice of resurrection, right? Something like that. So it had that intrigue and 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 hooks into the into the lore and it it basically laid it out this is what you should expect to see i gave the lore and driving story and again this is from trailer to the end so From the trailer all the way through the end of the adventure is what we rate this on. If the trailer's weak, the end's weak, the middle's weak, whatever the thing is, based on lore and driving story, it can take points away. From the trailer, I was excited. From the moment I got the quest from Belle um, on Liar's Backbone, I was excited. From the time that you start to see the ghostly images of Stitcher Jim and you start interacting with Pendragon, which was cool to see him there with his Harry Potter Avada Kedavra wand up in the air, it was, it was great to see that, to finding out Stitcher Jim's story with the chest of rage and his arm in pain and this back and forth just mental struggle that he's having with... Flameheart good, flameheart bad, betray flameheart, join one. All of this was in his head and you really got a feel of what Stitcher Jim has been going through the past however long it's been since heart of fire. And then you get to go back to Bell and then you learn that Stitcher Jim is the Herald of Flame, and you then have to go stop him at, uh, at, the, at the Molten Sands Fortress. And it had this driving cadence that just pushed you forward and got you excited every step of the way. The journals, reading the journals and seeing that issue with Stitcher Jim, him writing down the stuff, was just really, really great. And then you open the vaults. The vault was really cool to me because when you open the vault, there's a skull there. There is a skull, an ashen skull there. And for a brief moment, you think, did Stitcher Jim die here? Like all the rune carvings on the wall and, and, and everything. It's like, did Stitcher Jim die here is like, did whatever happened in the chest of rage, not convert him, but he's dead. Like it had that little mystery there. And then you return to bell and realize, no, Stitcher Jim is not dead. And he was, you know, became the herald of flame. And now you have to go stop him because he's trying to resurrect flame You get to molten sands, um, um, the, the molten sands fortress and you start this fight. And I told you last week that, that, I did not want to see a copy paste of of an Ashen Lord, and we'll get to we'll get to that in the next criterion, talking about that fight. But you had this epic fight that again drove you forward to beat him and get to the end. Then you have the interaction with um with uh with Pendragon, where he's trying to to destroy this this skull of of, of Flameheart, and just in this forever. And then he hangs back and he's like, I got some more stuff to take care of, which adds this little bit of intrigue of well, what's Pendragon's angle in this? Like he should be against flame He's always been against flame but he's got some mysterious thing to clean up and take care of here. Why? He just in his hand, he just blew up that skull. Like he, we, we beat stitcher. Why does he have to hang around? So now I have this in my head We've been driving to this moment, and now I have in this head, well, why are you hanging back? It's over. What do you still have to do? What are you hiding? What's your angle? Is Flameheart gone forever? Is he not? Are you... Are you a traitor? Are you being controlled by like now I have all these thoughts that now are going to lead me into excitement for the next adventure. You return to bell and Pendragons there and, and, and you're talking. And now I have these questions in my head about what's next. Flameheart's heart's not gone. Stitcher. Jim said he's, he escaped Pendragon hung back. What is going on? What's the angle? So now, from trailer to ending, was a driving, lore-filled story that has me excited for the next adventure. Five points, max points on lore and driving story. Next criteria, second criteria, combat. Whatever the fight might be, is there combat? You know, I I personally think every adventure should have some sort of combat in it, just because that's part of Sea of Thieves. Um, I I think that would that's very important, and the main combat we saw was the fight with the Herald of Flame. Um, and again, last time I said I would be very disappointed if it was a copy paste. Of an Ashen Lord. I think that would be a cop out. That would be a very classic thing, Sea of Thieves thing to do. They like to reuse old, rotten leftovers. And I was disappointed. I was disappointed in the fight. It did feel epic, but I was very disappointed in this fight because it was a copy paste of an Ashen Lord. However, However, and here is where we get some points that normally I would have just given them a one on a one out of five on this, because if they copy pasted it exactly one out of five, but they get a few creativity points in this because of the phantoms and because of the volcano, it wasn't a classic direct copy of the Ashen Lord fight. It wasn't a direct copy. They did add a little nuance. They added a little bit of intrigue, a little bit of suspense. So I gave this a three out of five. Now, some people might say I'm too picky. That's fine. That's fine. If you think that, if you think it should re this is my rating. This is not your rating. This is my rating. I gave it a three out of five mediocre, not great. It was okay. Right? It was a fun fight, it was engaging, and it wasn't a direct copy, but it was pretty damn close. So, three out of five for combat. The next one is rewards. Now, we know, as we've seen with all adventures, you get some sort of cosmetic and you get a title. I don't care about the title. Now, they might get some bonus points from me if the title is an interesting one, but I'm really more focused with rewards on the cosmetic. Is it interesting? Is it memorable? Is it unique? And the Stitcher gym jacket is very, very unique. It is to to my memory, which is shit. One of the only jackets that gives us a necklace, a unique necklace in the finger bone. It's a very cool look. And I'm going to be honest, for the longest time, for years, my pirate has always wore the Ford of the Jam jacket. After I got the Stitcher Jim da- jacket and tried it on, my pirate is now wearing the Stitcher Jim jacket and not the Ford of the Damn jacket. My pirate's look is very special to me. My pirate's look is very important to me. I do not change my cosmetics unless I'm goofing around or doing something like a Halloween costume. I do not change my cosmetics. My look is iconic and it is important to me. It's on my business cards, for God's sakes. It's on my stream. It is very important to me. So the fact that Rare introduced a cosmetic that I like, that is unique, and that introduces something that we've not seen before in a necklace, I am so behind it. The color is nice. The look is nice. It fits the Fat Pirate very well. I gave them a five out of five on the uniqueness of their rewards. Again, don't care about the, the, um, don't care about the title. You always get a title. In all honesty, the titles are pretty lame. Don't care about it. The cosmetic is what I'm really looking at here. If the title's cool, I'll give them bonus points, but five out of five on the, the stitcher gym jacket. Excellent. Well done. Rare well-designed. Great. Perfect. Let's see more stuff with necklaces and, and adornments that are not, that are not costumes. Next one is technical implementation and execution. So this one is looking at how clean their development is. You know how I am. I want a clean, crisp, bug-free, um, execution. Now, if we're talking about a monthly patch or a patch that lasts a long time or forever, I can understand if things are a little broke and I can understand that things might need to be fixed, even though I rant and rave about it. When it comes to a time limited feature, those should be crisp, clean, and you should not see a mark on them. Unfortunately, this was where Herald of Flame fell short. This is where it fell short hard. There were a lot of issues with this particular adventure, not in the lore and the story or the fight, but it came to the deeds and it came to getting your reward. They actually had to hot patch it in order to fix this, and that is not good because they hot patched it a week After it was out, which caused a lot of frustration with a lot of players out there. So for technical implementation, because some deeds, even though you did them, for example, my experience, I saw and on stream called out all three of the Reaper birds, walked up to them, looked around them, checked them out because I think they're cool. And I did not get credit for all of them. Even though I stopped, mentioned them, saw them, checked them out did not get credit for the Reaper birds. So that is disappointing. That's a bug. And rewards were not getting given to players. Even a week later, many, many, many players did not receive their uh, reward. So for technical implementation and execution, I gave them a two out of five. You can't release a adventure. Your big story-driven content and have it break it has to be a flawless near flawless execution you caused a lot of disappointment with players a lot of frustration with players and your deed tracking was not working which means players then have to spend more of their time time is money more of their time to redo it and hope it works that is a really bad and not a good player experience. And you can't have that with limited time um, features when players, some players, casual players specifically, don't have the time to repeat it and don't have the time um, uh, uh, to, 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 to do those kind of things. Finally, finally, time investment. So, time investment, I gave them, and this was a tight one. Okay? This was very tight. This was a very tight one for me. I thought it was, I, I thought it was fine. Okay? I thought it was fine. The time investment for me, a player who dedicates time in his week to stream and to play this game, I thought it was fine. But, I have to look at it with the general player base in mind and the general player base. There's a lot less people who have the time to play video games as I do. So I couldn't give them the five that I, I thought that this deserved. I knocked them back to a four because it did take longer than I feel it should have though. I thought the adventure was solid. I thought it drove forward nicely And though when I was doing it on stream, we did get held up by a ship. It took about two hours between two and two and a half hours to complete this adventure from start to finish with all the sailing and everything in between. That's a little long for a casual player to spend to do a limited time adventure. Now, why it's not lower, why it's not a three. This adventure that has several checkpoints throughout it that allows you to restart the adventure at those particular checkpoints. That's why it didn't get a 3. It didn't get a 5 because it was too much for a casual player, so I landed at a 4, which is still, for me, a very good score because I am stingy about that. So we have 5 on lore and driving story, 3 on combat, 5 on re- unique rewards— two on technical implementation and execution and a four on time investment. That is a total of 19 points out of a possible 25, which gives us a success rate of Harold of flame of 76% or a grade of a C. uh, I'll say C plus. Okay. So I'll give it a C plus 25 out of 25 a plus, right? Uh, Back to, to school days. So overall, I enjoyed this adventure, but it definitely had its issues, specifically the technical implementation and calling, causing a lot of frustrations, which again, rare is resolving with the, the hot fix, but still a week into the adventure, you, you can't fix something like that and expect players just to be like, okay, I forget. No, you need to have it solid at launch. And if there is an issue like that, that you're seeing bubbling up either through support tickets or social media, you need to get on that and fix it in the moment. You can't wait a week, right? It's a time limited event. You can't wait a week. You got to be on that faster. So 19 out of 25 for Harold flame, 76% C Now, again, I thought this was probably one of the best adventures, if not one, if not the best adventure they have put out. I think they're getting their stride now on how adventures should be built and staged and implemented. I think they're getting their stride. So just imagine if I'm giving this one a C plus, imagine what I would give the other ones. If this was my favorite, just saying, but I wanted to create this rubric to make it Fair, right? I talk about it. I talk about the issues. I talk about my opinions on it and all that stuff. But I want to have a consistent rubric and explain to you why I'm giving them the points that they do. And I think this is a very good adventure. I think they should be proud of this adventure, but it wasn't perfect. They need to clean some stuff up. And 76% C. Plus. All right. If you want to hear me rate the other adventures, I can try to do that. I would rather do it in the moment when I'm playing it. But uh yeah. I, I, I would say that they would be significantly lower. I think there's a lot of D's and F's when it comes to adventures. Just letting you know. So I'm super excited moving from Herald of Flame to see what they do next in, um, in the next adventure, which again we know is Return of the Damned on November 3rd. I assume Return of the Damned means Flameheart's return. He's a damned soul. Return of the Damned. Maybe it's Return of Davy Jones. He was damned. Maybe it's the return of David Jones. I don't know. I think it's Flameheart, though. I think it's Flameheart. But uh, Return of the Damned, November 3rd. And what I will say is, in the next adventure, I will say this, in the next adventures, plural, quoting Mike Chapman, Stitcher Jim will play a pivotal role in the adventures... to come. I picked up on that. I don't know if uh, if you guys listened to the official C of these podcasts, Episode 9, but I picked up on the fact that Mike Chapman Pluralized adventures It could be just two It could be the last one And this one uh, This upcoming one That Stitcher Jim is playing pivotal roles in But maybe it's more Maybe we're not going to see the end of Stitcher Jim um, After the next adventure I, I really feel with that quote That we're not going to see that, that wasn't the last of Stitcher Jim And even in the adventure itself Said Stitcher Jim did escape So I would say that we're going to see Stitcher Jim Now Will he play a role more than just this next adventure. We'll have to wait and find out, but I'm excited that this character that was a big piece of the game for the beginning, big piece of heart, uh, heart of fire. And we haven't seen for a while. I'm glad it wasn't just a one and done appearance, even though it was a very good appearance. Um, I'm glad it's not going to be one and done. And we're going to see some more of Stitcher Jim because he's a great character, regardless if you like him or hate him. He's a great character. Um, I think with his absence for as long as it was and not sure what the fate of him was with the, 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 the rage chest, I think it added some more intrigue and interest to his character. I think he's a good character in the sea of thieves and I hope to see them do more with him, um, as we move forward, but we will find out. So there you go. That's a long episode, and I apologize for the length. It'll probably take a couple of you uh, some 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 time to uh, to check that out, the whole thing. But uh, guys, thank you very much for listening. Thank you to the patrons who support me. Come by the Twitch stream um, Friday, Saturday. Some Sundays, depending if I have plans. Monday and Tuesday, we're adding some Tuesday streams in there now. Um, Twitch.tv/davram, um, come check us out on there. Saturdays are our uh, two podcasts, one boat where I join the Keel Hall podcast and Captain Logan, and we have a lot of fun on the seas. So please come by, hit the follow button. Um, everything that I make on Twitch goes to charity, which, as I announced uh, uh, in a previous episode, we. T- Topped $5,000 for charity this year, and we still have two months to go, including the big 24-hour charity streamathon. I won't be doing 24 hours. I'm going to be playing the support role, but the stream will be up. I'll be doing something on that day coming up at the beginning of November. But, guys, thank you again so much for taking part in, in a little bit of Sea of Thieves and a little bit of my life. In your life. Thank you. Thank you. Check out the social medias, join the Discord, join the conversation. Take care of yourselves and each other. And I will see you next week on Pirate Talk Radio.